so my wife says it all the time and it's beautiful um she she always says you can't have a testimony without a test kind of feels like the biggest responsibility i have in my world right now is trying to be an awesome parent really i believe forgiveness is more for us than it really is for the other person everyone is capable of and deserving of empathy but i do believe it is a muscle that you have to exercise the full quote is if you come to a great chasm in life jump it's not that far because I feel like you never really stop growing. Mm -hmm. And if you have stopped growing, like you're already dead in the water. You know, stagnation is synonymous to death. You are now embarking on the imperfect experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Imperfect Pod. As you may have noticed, the name has slightly changed. This is basically just to make it more searchable for you in Apple, Spotify, and whatnot. There was a lot of issues um, with the brackets, and so hopefully this helps get the podcast more listens. That's the overall goal. This week, we have Jordan Paris as my guest. Jordan is a 22-year-old author, podcast host, and entrepreneur featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, Men's Health, Yahoo Finance, and Market Watch. Jordan's podcast, Growth Mindset University, is ranked number six in Apple's self-improvement category. In education, one of Apple's most competitive categories, the show is ranked 15th. He's had guests like Grant Cardone, Robert Greene, Mark Manson, and many, many more. On this week's episode, Jordan and I talk about what it's like to date as a young man. That is everything from common questions like who pays on the first date? How much time do you dedicate to it? Are you dating online? What's your approach to it? This is a really cool, honest, transparent conversation about what it's like to date as young men. And I really hope you enjoy this episode. There's a lot of honesty in it. A lot of just very casual conversation about what the world looks like right now dating wise. But thank you everyone so much for tuning in and I hope you enjoy this episode. Super excited, man, for you to be here on the Imperfect Podcast. You know, you're another young man like myself. We're figuring out the dating world, mm-hmm. and I'm excited to have that conversation with you. But, uh, you know, the first question I always ask my guests is, who is one person, dead or alive, that you'd like to have over for dinner, and what would you cook for them? Oh, that one's the first question. I was I, I was thinking I'd have time for that no. one. <laughs> yeah, I'd say right now... Seth Godin, you know him, right? Yeah. Yeah. I actually recently invited him on my podcast for the second time. He declined me, you know, over a year and a half ago. But so he's coming on the podcast within, you know, less than a month. You know, that's not going to be in person. And mm-hmm. uh, no, I like him a lot. Yeah. And, you know, we we just have very similar views on education. And yeah. I, I know him, he's the marketing guru, but you know, it's, it's, it's so funny because I think that's a really good question to ask people, especially who podcast, because it's a question that goes beyond podcasting. It's like, what would you talk about if you weren't on the podcast? Like, would it be the same things? Would it not be the same thing? So I'm really curious to hear, like, what would you kind of talk about if it mm. wasn't in a recorded setting? Yeah. I mean, like we do, him and I plan on talking about education and the school system on my podcast when we do it, but I think if he were to come over for dinner, it would be the exact same thing. Yeah. It is interesting how like podcasting gives us that outlet, but I, I always wonder like, what would it be if it was more a natural setting? Would it, would it be something different? Would it yeah. be about life? Like, you know, I think it's so such an interesting idea. I'd be a little bit more unhinged a little bit. I'm already pretty, uh, I kind of just say things. Yeah. 
more than I think most podcasters. Yeah. And then for my audience, I obviously talk about it a bit in the intro, but why don't you kind of give a bit more about who you are as a person? And then we'll kind of go into the conversation about dating because I think it's yeah. a fascinating one, especially during COVID. It is. <laughs> I, yeah, that's it. That's it. Look, I have fun and help people and make money. You know, that's what I call my designed life. Don't make a living. Design a life is what I live by. And designing a life around those three criteria is what works for me. And mm-hmm most of what I do aligns with those three things. My business, I think a good, a happy founder has an alignment of those three things, having fun, helping people and making money, a great, perfect alignment of those three things. And I have that with Trend Up Media, where I help podcasters all day. I produce podcasts, manage them. Uh, my team and I do. You know, I don't, I'm not sitting there doing everything. I'm not a freelancer, but yeah. yeah. So there's that. Without my podcast, I wouldn't get any business. So Growth Mindset University is where I have a lot of fun and talk to my heroes. Yeah. And then in regards to kind of, I guess we're going to talk a little bit more about that fun side with with dating, but you know, you're a busy guy, young guy though. Do you prioritize time for dating or is that something that you're not no. really looking at right now? No, I don't. I don't prioritize any, any time. And what would you, what would you like consider prioritizing time? To, what would you consider dating activities to prior to like set to invest time in like I I don't know I just think the easy thing to do is for me run my business and do podcasts and occupy my time that way so you know investing time in in dating kind of falls by the wayside a little bit I don't know it's hard to explain yeah I, I think that's something that's really interesting though is is that when I think the age of marriage and whatnot is kind of going on the rise. We're seeing a lot of young men prioritize their time towards business, work, education, if that's for some. And just that's kind of the general sense of among all of our generation is that dating can dating can kind yeah. of wait. But there's obviously still that need or at least a lot of that psychological want of feeling wanted, right? And and feeling like you have a partner in your life. But I mean, if you're fulfilled in, in your other ways, then then that's not always a priority. I haven't had that in my life ever, really. You know, I've never had anything lasting. And, you know, there were times, you know, maybe up until two years ago where, you know, I did long for that. I did care about that. It was like a hole in me. But now, past two years, man, they've been the best of my life. And I'm like, I'm very happy either way. Like, I'm very much enjoying, I was telling my friend Savannah, I'm so single and having, and I've I've been so single for so long and I'm having a great time being single. At the same time though, I told her, you know, I would welcome um, and and I'm very open to a relationship. You know, I'm not forcing it. I'm not like, I guess it goes back to the question, like what dating activities would I invest time in like other than actual dating? Like I'm not going to sit there on dating apps all day. I'm not going to like, I don't know, um, putting yourself out there, like maybe once a week or once every other week, I think is uh, the way I do it, I think is a good healthy thing. And, you know, sometimes something happens, sometimes doesn't. And I don't know. Yeah. But so in regards to kind of um, even the struggles of of finding a 
a girl, you know, a lot of times we hear friend zone and nice guy thrown around. Okay. Um, and we obviously both have some opinions on that. And so I when do. it comes to like, what are your opinions on, on both of those ideas yeah. within the dating world or even within yourself? So let's think about the type of person who gets friend zone, friend zoned. It's usually a needy male. And the friend zone is a product of a needy male who, you know, how does their neediness manifest itself in a potential relationship with a girl or in, in interactions with a girl? Well, the male is so terrified of being rejected that he doesn't put himself out, out there on the line. He's hmm. not bold. He's anything but bold. He's the stereotypical nice guy who is afraid to make a move because he's so needy and so insecure that he gets friend zone. So that's my opinion on it. I, I, it's, because I you're, it's because you're afraid to make a move. Like there's, there's, and I'll let you go in a second, but there's, there's mm -hmm. like a time, you know, when you meet, you meet a, a woman who, you know, there's a, there's a time frame. There's a little bit of a sense of urgency. If you go so long without making a move, the interest window of her interest towards you is effectively shut. That window closes. You have to make a move at a, cer at, at a certain point or else you're going to get friend zoned. 100%. Yeah. That's what the one thing I don't understand is that if you meet someone once at a party, like no woman is just waiting there for like three weeks asking When's this guy going to ask me out? When's this guy going to ask me out? They're nah. going to move on at some point. Like, yeah. it's just the way it works. And especially- well, they, they get categorized, like, oh, you know, the, the woman's like, oh, you know, he's not, maybe he's not that interested, you know, in me romantically. He's just, we're best friends. He's a friend. Yeah. He would never make a, you know, we, it's not like that. It's like, I can't. So if I really like a girl and I know that she's a friend and I know she doesn't like me, I still have to like know that it's not possible. Like, I, I'll say- you know, this is how I feel. I don't think it's reciprocated, but like, if it is, then this is your time to act too. I just, I like, I ha I have to be someone that clears the air. I have to be someone that gets that those feelings off my heart. Yeah, I'm you gotta okay, say it. I'm okay with being friend zoned after that, but I don't consider yeah. it being friend zoned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's like, not. You expressed yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It I, frustrates me so much when it's like, oh, this girl friend zoned me. She doesn't want me, and it's like, did you ever ask her out? Well, no. No, oh, so she's just right, right. she's just supposed to like understand that that's exactly what you want like no, this like, communication like a movie, yeah. yeah it pisses me off in men and it pisses me off in women when they don't say what they want just say what you want it's really not that hard say what's on your mind that kind of goes to another thing I wanted to talk about sometimes even though saying it overtly too overtly can be too much can be too overt it's really about making the right move at the right time. And yeah. it seems that way, like it happened organically. That's so you know, much pressure. I mean, no, no girl wants to feel like a, a hoe. Like people could interpret what we said in the last five minutes. Like, oh, so I should just say, let's go fuck. That's not it. That's too overt. It makes the, uh, makes the woman feel like a hoe. So yeah. it's better to, I think, demonstrate, you know, with your actions, to speak with your actions sometimes. Yeah. There still has to be a little bit of romance in there. It, it can't just be a dead set, you, me, bedroom. Like, it, that's not how it yeah, works. It has yeah. to be like, I want to purposely build a relationship with you 
in a way where I get to know you more. Like it has to be some sort of a romantic gesture rather than yeah. just yeah, being yeah. interested. Cause if you're just interested in her body, like I have, I have a personal belief that a relationship can't really be built off a hookup just because, you know, I, I just don't really think it's, it's the best route. I don't really think it's, it's possible because for a lot yeah. of men, you get what you wanted already. I, you just, yeah, like, I it's, wonder it's really about that, hard. man. I really wonder about that. Like the jury's not out yet for me no. on that. Like, I don't, I don't know. You know, I'm sure you could find relationships. I mean, you you can find relationships all over, like that were built off of hookups. But you yeah. know, the quality compared to if it was built off, you know, if there's a stronger foundation, it's questionable. Like, who knows? Legitimately questionable. Like, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't even know how you would analyze that statistically. But no, I think generally speaking, you're on the right track with that. Yeah, it's just super hard because you know you hear all the, the time, context like, matters. Yeah, context, context of the matters. meeting matters. Yeah. If the two people are are kind of just like that, it's fine. But I think it's really hard to then slow the pace down. Like if if all of a sudden a woman in a relationship is like, no, I, I want to wait a bit longer to actually like have sex that has love behind it well then it's like okay is the guy willing to do that too you know you already did it once so there's there's a lot of components that go into it you're right but it's just always so fascinating to me that it can happen just based off of what i know or kind of believe about men and and sex in a lot of ways a lot of work has to go into that like obviously a lot of work has to go into a relationship where where sex isn't really like off the jump but at the same time it feels like you have to like really slow down and communicate a lot more your pace if you've built it off a hookup just kind of in my head i don't know yeah. if that's true or not but just how i view it yeah i don't know man you know like obviously most men want sex on you know the first night i i think almost all of them do you know myself included but what happens after that like i find myself and i can think of you know something very recently where super super non-needy i'm ready to walk away at any moment i'm i'm okay if she rejects me, chooses someone else, whatever. Like I really, I, my, my level of investment was very low in this girl. And, you know, rightfully so. I'd only met her like a handful of times. And long story short, yeah, we end up together that night. And once we did it, my non-needy behavior and mind shifted in the next couple of days to honestly pretty needy mm -hmm. i needed to like see her again needed to know this was gonna like happen again you know you should if you just would see like my texting style like i said something like like we should do this i think it would be good for us like that's mm -hmm. that's too much man it's too needy sounds too needy so like when you have sex there's like a download of your of information that happens like you're downloading the information contained in, in their emotions and like just so, mm. something happens there, man. So like, is it good to do that on the first night for male and female? Like, is it a good, you know, individually, is that a good mm -hmm. thing to do on the, on the first night? Like, what's the right time to wait? I don't think a year, not yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah. You know, there have been times in my life too, Chase, when, you know, when I was 18 and you know, I was a college freshman and I was the stereotypical nice guy, people would call me the nicest guy in the world and yeah. i would be with girls for like four weeks and never have sex with them yeah when they're like having sex with my entire fraternity behind my back <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so like you know you don't want to get dragged in that either no so it's a balance and it's a question that 
is really worth considering. Yeah, I like Time. I I do believe like I I'm I have a more traditional sense of sex. I come from like a very Christian home, so like I I still believe that there's a like a bond that's created. I'm not a, I'm not like I'm not only sex after marriage. I don't believe in that. Yeah, like I've done hookups, but at the same time, it's like there is part of you. You're right that is like a download of their feelings or their emotions or like a, a sense of us, even though it's not actually us. And I've read books about hookup culture. It's a really good book. And mm-hmm. I really want to get her on my podcast because I think she'd be a fascinating like person to talk yeah. about this topic. What'd you learn? Um, it's just no one really comes out of hookup culture, not hurt. Like, wow. like it's, it's really just a wow. idea. It's, it's, she has a class of students that basically write down journals about how they feel about sex and how they hook up throughout the year. And it's like everyone comes into university believing that everyone has sex all the time, but the average is really two people in the eight months that you're there. But oh, the culture is, is made to believe that you have way more sex than what you do because that is what is celebrated. You know, people hook up and then they both leave. A guy doesn't want to share his feelings because he doesn't want to be too needy. A girl doesn't want to chase because she doesn't want to feel needy either. And so two people that actually like each other will never actually be together mm. it's basically just a book that says people don't express their emotions and mm. this idea of like yes. protecting it's myself game. Every, it's all a game and this idea of i want to protect myself at all costs actually comes across as right. hurting you the most yeah perhaps the the wall that you're building to keep you protected is also keeping the right people out too yeah i was teary-eyed and emotional while reading that book because i'm just like this is the hearts of young people because of this culture that is, has been yeah. created is just very, it felt very devastating to me. What's and the I'm name like, of that book? It's called um, American Hookup. So American. sex and cool. the new culture of sex on campus. I have it above my, my nice. desk here. The guy, Lisa yeah. Wade. She's, a, she's like a gender studies professor or a sociology uh-huh. professor. It's just like university was, was hard to watch from someone who felt kind of beyond those years not in the sense of like, you know, I'm so much more mature. I'm not. But I, I just didn't really ever see the the pros of hookup culture. I didn't understand it as something that would be celebrated. Because I literally know girls and guys who are like, my only goal to, out of tonight is to go and get fucked. And if it didn't happen. That's what it was like, for me. In those, yeah. Yeah. That's what but, it was. But if it didn't happen, the bars, yeah. there's like my worth has gone down. Or, right. That's right. no exactly how I felt. Yeah. I'm like, it's, it's and, damaging. Yeah. My friend Patrick was like, Dude, you gotta, you know, somewhere along the way in the middle of college, like you should be able to have fun and feel good about yourself, Jordan, even if you don't go home with a girl every night. Like there should be more to going out than that. Which, you know, for me, going out in a bar setting, in a loud party bar setting, that's just not fun for me. <laughs> like yeah. there's nothing fun about that. You know, that was really the only reason I'm there. And, uh, you know, I don't go to that kind of stuff today. So, uh, cause it's just not fun to me. And, and again, like we said, context matters, you know, who was mm-hmm. I finding at those places? And it wasn't really good. You know, you could argue though that like, Oh, you know, everyone goes, to, you know, maybe when they're 18, 19, 20, everyone goes you know, to the bars and the parties at that age, which, yeah, true. But still, the context in which you meet someone matters. Your relation, it could be the same exact person, but your relationship, if you meet them at Keys Bar, it's a real bar. You meet <laughs> them at Rhythm House, it's also a real place too. I got drugged there and oh got my. my ATM card stolen. The guy tried to take out 300 bucks. I got drug tested too. Anyway, that's oh an my. aside. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> it was legit. And 
So it could be the same person, but if you go to, if you meet them at Keys Bar, your relationship is going to be way different if you were to meet them in the school library or yeah. the hell's a good place to meet people. Like, what I don't know. I don't go out, man. <laughs> <laughs> but Berkey is even a dangerous one too. Uh, but it's so I true. I think it's fine. I, I, I think it's fine know, too. I'm yeah, not against like, it. What do we, I mean, what are we playing games here? I mean, like it's just whatever, man. You it's know? only an issue if you're dating someone with seniority above you. Like yeah. that's my only issue with it. If it's someone like on a different team or even if you break up, be mature about it. If it's a brutal breakup, one of you has to leave. Like that's your agreement. I don't know. Like it's it's just, I think it's fine to, to I don't even, date yeah. in your workplace. Yeah. But I was, I wanted to say, yeah, I, I didn't go to bars for the sense of meeting people either. And if I was in a group of guys, I hated going because it's like, everyone's trying to go home with a girl. So it's, it's like, who are you really going with? You're going with mm-hmm. the intention of, I will go find a girl to dance with. But like, that was never my intention. So I didn't really go with groups of, of guys. I went more with groups of girls because they're not looking to, at least the ones I was friends with, we're, we're just looking to dance and have fun. So I'm like, that's more the crew that I want to go with. But in regards to... Like I, what is the whole point of dancing, dude? I don't get it. People say they want to go to the bar to dance. I'm sorry, but I don't get it. And I don't, you don't buy get it. it. No, I don't. Dancing is no. what, what kind of music do you like though? I like classic rock. Okay, <laughs> then that's that's probably why you, you don't like going to clubs and they don't they don't play a lot of classic rock. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean not, that's not the right context for it either. It'd be weird. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so, it would just be like a mosh pit, but instead yeah. imagine imagine people dancing like they do at clubs to rock music that would be a sight i think that'd be really funny i like a place with with live music Mm. went to a place it's like like an actual bar yeah yeah actually went to a bar within yeah it was a year and a half ago actually and uh there's live music there up on the deck and it was great yeah well, I, I I would take a girl to like a jazz club and like that's how I judge. I'm like, is this girl really a girl for me? Mm. Would she go to a jazz club? Sophisticated, mm. not, like I think it's really classy. Mm. I like jazz yeah. music. I think it can be romantic. I've been to jazz clubs by myself and I'm like, this is this is great. Like who and I I had like the oldest kind of cocktail I could think of, an old Manhattan or whatever it's called. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm like, this is disgusting. This is I don't like scotch and whiskey, but it was it was one of those. And I'm like, I feel really good though. I feel like I could wear like a, a fedora and a top yeah. hat and just fit in. And I was just feeling smooth. I'm like, this would be a great date. Why wouldn't anyone want to do this instead yeah, of we're all souls? Yeah, yeah. I, man, I love it. But I wanted to talk about um, meeting a girl in the right environment. I think that's super important because there were more times than I can count where a girl said something really smart in class, and I was like, damn, she's pretty. And uh-huh. in a club, I'm like. I'd see the same girl and I'd be like, no, right. I'm not so pretty. Like, right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. Context matters. Context matters big time. Yeah. I just, I think it's so fascinating though. I always thought that side of university was really fascinating. Did you, did you like graduate university or did you? Yeah, I did. Okay. You, you went all the way through. I know I, I've seen, I've read some of your posts about thoughts on university and whatnot. So I wasn't sure if you actually <laughs> graduated or whatnot, but in terms of like going back to like dating, I'm really interested in what your best tips practices are for first dates and then we'll kind of go over that too because we'll see if they're different any ideas well look i'm not the guy to like you know take everything i say with a grain of salt because like i'm uh you know i think i'm just fine good even on a first date but you know beyond that i don't have things that last more than five weeks like i just don't so And, you know, and, and as much as, you know, I want to blame 
other people and the culture and my age demographic, what is the common denominator in all of it? Well, it's me. So, (laughs) so you got to consider that when you listen to me on really all this stuff. With that said, question. Is there a way to make that question more pointed to kind of guide me along that first date? Like, you know, scenarios, yes, do's, don'ts. I'm okay, sure. uh, we'll go with this one. Pay on the first date or don't pay? Or split. Oh, that's, see, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Great. Yeah. Um, that's tough. And I've had this conversation with my girlfriends, my friends that are girls. And they've said, like, they don't really – like, I, I've actually had a friend that – she tests guys on the first date. And yeah, that, that's I don't like that part either. I know. I didn't like that. <laughs> I didn't like that either. But I think that, you know, a lot of girls, you know, when I've talked to them about this, like, you know, they don't really care, like, long term. You know, we can go half and half. And I, you know, I, I don't believe the guy should pay 100, you know, 100%, 100% of the time. You know, I certainly don't plan on doing that when I get into a relationship. But yeah, I think most girls do want to see a guy take that initiative on the first date and pay, even if, you know, that's not going to be like something that happens 100% of the time. I think, yeah. uh, I think they want to see that. I find it so interesting because I, so for me, if I don't like the date, I don't think it went well, mm. I'll actually pay for both. And then if it's a wow. girl that I like and she's offers to pay, I won't even, I'll be like, are you sure? And then if they say yes, I'll be like, okay, you're paying for, like, I don't think you should. So that's the way my friend, that's the way my friend tests people. She says that. And if the guy gives the response that you gave, he's out. Now, this friend of mine is very, you know, a little bit materialistic. So actually very much so. Those are, you know, the things that she values are all material and and superficial, but (laughs) beside the point. So I just prove, just providing the counter argument there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it should matter yeah. as much as it does. Like, no. I think 50-50 on the first date should should be fine. Like, I'd love to hear, you know, more ladies' perspectives on that. Mm-hmm. So I've had a I've actually had a girl who paid more for the first date because she's just like, I'm paying my half. And she bought me a drink because she was like 15 minutes late and she felt bad. So she paid like 60 bucks and mine was 40. And I'm like, you know, this girl's dope. I like, I, I, I like it a lot as a guy if she pays for her first date because it shows independence, financial freedom, and a lot of things that girls find attractive about men. I also find attractive yeah. in women. And so I'll, I will always offer, you know, to pay the full thing. But to me, it's just if I can't have that level of honest communication on the first date, whether it's because mm, oh, if she's, yes. if she says, Big. yes, yes, you pay for all of it, I'll pay for all of it. That's fine. You're honest. If she's like, I'll split it honest again so the only thing i don't like is being tested i'm like honest communication for me is the most important thing like that's almost my test is yeah is what, how honest they are in that in that scenario because it's probably the most awkward one on a first date yeah no you shouldn't be with someone if you can't you know talk about this kind of stuff like this actually this conversation that we're having should actually be had on the first date, I say, you know, because if not, you know, it starts to, it starts to build up over time. Like you can't, you know, you don't like the temperature Mm -hmm. that she keeps her place at when you guys are like going to bed and you can't bring that up for years. Like you shouldn't marry them. Like you shouldn't be with them really. Mm -hmm. Like if you can't bring up that kind of stuff, 
that's a sign of trouble. That's a bad thing. Yeah. I, I operate from the idea of I will be overly transparent, authentic, and, and honest on my first date because I don't want to waste my time. Yeah. And if I don't get that same response or same feeling, I'm just not into it. Yeah. And this, look, what we're not, what we're talking about here isn't just you and me. Mark Manson, the, the guy who wrote The Subtle Art, he was before selling tens of millions of copies of books, he was actually a dating coach. Oh. And he actually recently came out with a, an Audible original called Love Is Not Enough, uh, all about relationships. Mm-hmm. And this, what we're talking about here, the the ability to talk about this kind of stuff is really the most important thing in the book. It's basic, but it's super important. We talked about it too on on my podcast, the second, the, the most recent appearance that he was on. We talked about Love Is Not Enough and, and that. Yeah. It's so important. I, and it's funny enough, it's my parents' uh, 34th anniversary today. So they've been really great in showing me all of that. Like me too. they are my role models in relationships and, and how I try to approach them. And, you know, my dad's a very much wears heart on the sleeve kind of guy. So I've, I've kind of gotten that, that feeling. I just I don't understand. I never want to waste my time when dating. Like, I don't want to feel like I'm wasting my time. I don't want to feel like I can't share what's on yeah. my heart or yeah, on my you, mind. Look, like, you need to know as quickly as possible. Is this, is this happening? You know, is this not? Yeah. Is this going to work? Is it not? And the way to do that is to be bold and put yourself out there on the line and, you know, make that gesture, make that mm-hmm. move. Yeah, got to do it. So in terms of your tips regarding openness and honesty, what is your approach to first dates? See, it's too broad for me. I mean, and again, I'm not that like, I'm not that great at it. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm just trying to plumb the depths of her character and Mm -hmm. see if this is, you know, going to work. And if, you know, if we, I don't know, man, like is, you know, I'm just trying to identify like, is this a hookup? Is there potential for something longer term? Or is there really just nothing here at all? Do you talk business on your first date or no? I try not to. You know, if it's someone that where we have a lot of mutual friends and they bring it up, you know, fine. And I'll, you know, try to deflect actually. But no, I don't like to talk about that stuff in my personal life. And especially like uh, uh, even more on a first date. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't like that. Do you, have you ever felt like, girls are approaching you because of what you do yeah um and like i don't you know i like the the reason i don't like to talk about it or bring it up and you know my personal life because i don't want someone to like me because i have famous friends or Mm -hmm. because i make money and like i don't have to and i can go wherever i want to go and i'm not tied to a location like i don't you know i just don't i don't want or i don't want someone to like me because of my car or like, like you know what i mean just i don't want someone to like me for the that superficial status stuff mm-hmm. yeah and, it, and it, i'm sure it can be hard to kind of weed out because some some guys really like that and it's i've always found that really interesting oh too. i know and, well those are those like, are needy yeah. guys those are needy mm-hmm. guys that you know they've they've acquired that stuff specifically to show that off to women and mm-hmm. be liked by women it's yeah. very different. I, yeah. I, I find that really sad too. I can and think then, of, we can pr- both think of so many people right now probably. of that archetype. Yeah. Yeah. And then kind of, I wanted, you, you brought up the interesting point of like fraternities. I actually just, so this past week, I released an episode that was really kind of mainly focused on, on frats and, and kind of just how they, really? they shape male identity. And it was kind of like a, a more 
I don't know if you know him, Jordan Gross. He's he's decently. Yeah, big. yeah, I know. Yeah, him. yeah. So he was on, and he was in the frat. And I'm based in Canada, so the fraternities up here I think are a bit different. But they always try to model themselves after American fraternities. I've always had this kind of like residual hate or or kind of despise towards them because mm-hmm. I don't think that they're really healthy. I think they have some really internalized problems yeah. um, within them. And you brought I it agree. up, so I definitely wanted to like so, kind of hear your points on it. First and foremost, I you know I've. I've said publicly that I picked the wrong fraternity before. And I don't really care. If, I don't really care if people hear that, you know, the relationships, the few lasting relationships I made there, you know, those people don't take it personally. But with that said, I don't think that any fraternity I would have picked would have been the right one because the culture is just very poor. I mean, I, I talk about, you know, I'm speaking specifically about the fraternal life on FGCU Florida Gulf Coast University campus. Like I didn't, I didn't go to any other college. Like that's the college I went to. So I'm mm-hmm. speaking about the eight or nine there. You know, I have seen good, young people, smart people with potential, come from really great families. Innocent, I have seen them come in and just get destroyed by. And they don't even know they've been destroyed. They're like, they're just tagging along with the groups, ripping mm-hmm. the jewel every five seconds, smoking every day, drinking five times a week. Oh, just have like a natty ice, natty light. I don't even know what they are. A natty light <laughs> with like with like lunch every day. Like just become very lazy and get 1.6 GPAs. I mean, the average GPA in my fraternity and almost all of them is like 2.6. They're like 2.7. Like it was bad. And I, you know, I know I say that GPA on an individual level doesn't matter for most people. But when you have a whole group of 60 guys getting a 2.7 average, that says something. Mm -hmm. And the amount of good things fraternities do for people pales, absolutely pales in comparison to how many lives it destroys and unknowingly so mm-hmm. these kids don't even know what just hit them they don't even know realize the potential that they just wasted and will never get back well some of them will some of them you know like mark manson's a great example mm. he was the classic stoner partier ladies man in in in, in college and you know throughout his 20s And, uh, you know, 10 years later, you know, in his early thirties, like he, you know, he hit it out of the park more Mm -hmm. than anyone could. Like, I, I I wonder like, who's that one kid going to be that 10 years from now, you you just never would have suspected, suspected who's going to be like the Mark Manson, you know, of this fraternity. But for the most part really isn't. Great. And, and actually, too, you know, I was uh, I actually, you know, I mentioned my friend Savannah, uh, one of my best friends who uh, it's really interesting. We started seeing each other romantically over a year and a half ago. Mm. And that lasted like four, not even four weeks, like three weeks, eh, four weeks. And then I, bro- I broke it off. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we've you know, been best friends, really, really great friends ever since. Savannah was, you know, talking about, you know, because she just graduated and, you know, in applying for jobs, she had on her resume, like this position in her sorority. Mm -hmm. And the employer actually told her, take that off. 
all that says about you, if you read between the lines, is that you're a party girl, which of Savannah isn't necessarily true, but the stereotype is mm. there. Perception is reality. These employers don't really know you, and they yeah. see that, and it's, it could be a bad thing. And we were talking about it, too. We were talking about We were having this conversation on Friday. Even if you were to be like the president, if I were to be the president of fraternity and I was applying for jobs, I think at the very best, that would be neutral. Mm. I think it'd be negative. Actually, I don't think it's a good thing. Yeah. You know, I always say, always say like, oh, the resume, disposition. No, 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 no. Get that off your resume. It doesn't, you know, if you think you can have a reasonable amount of fun and not get dragged down by the awful culture of fraternities and you don't think it's going to diminish your potential, then yeah, go do it. You know, I was obviously very lucky. Thank God I did not get dragged down and succumb to being a, a, a crack addict who, you know, gets kicked out of socials for doing cocaine in the bathroom and, you know, rips the jewel every five seconds, you know, just a total, a fiend, like, like yeah. a, a total fiend, you know, I, I'm Never very lucky that. that I didn't yeah. become that. And, you know, I really didn't do much, you know, a ton of partying, you know, by the, by the end of the second year, I was really not going into the second year. I was really not involved after one and a half years. I was like, my involvement was very minimal and I didn't end up like, I just went, I went early graduate and, you know, so I, just, you know, I wasn't really yeah. part of it. I find that interesting that you said that um, employers say take it off your resume because I know a lot of people that joined because it's good for your resume or at least yeah. it can be, but it, yeah, it all it, depends it, on the There's a lot of better things yeah. you can do for your resume, but I, I also, I always say build a life, not a resume. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, but there's like an allegiance kind of to that frat. So you, the only way it's going to look good on your resume is if there's someone in the company that exactly. really, it, or that you're applying yeah. to that has yeah. experience with that frat. Yeah. We like people who are like us and yeah. that can, you know, those those few and far between stories that they actually promote to you in the beginning, you know, when you're like joining those few and far between stories of like, Oh, you know, I was getting interviewed and you know, we, my, uh, the interviewer and I found out that we were in the same, you know, like those are rare and yeah. it's just not a good reason to join. You yeah. can find other commonalities yeah. that don't involve paying you know, $700 per semester and risking being dragged down. Yeah. It, it, just the whole like pledging process and, oh yeah. It, and it sounds, it's such an interesting thing to me that we want to be in a group. It's just it's like, it seems like a popularity contest and it seems like, you know, the, the status hierarchy patriarchy that's embedded within them. I'm like, this is exactly what people think is a danger to society. Yeah. Outside of university, why wouldn't yeah, that be the same thing in university? Yeah. yeah, it's such a dangerous mentality to to tell people that because they're in this frat, they're better than other people, or you know, yeah. you're gonna you only hang out with girls in this sorority. Right, 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 right. It's like I don't. Yeah, it's it. like high school. Yeah, again, yeah. And who liked high school? I I didn't like amplified high school. though. <laughs> I didn't like. It. You know, high school was like my least favorite time. I think um, it was for me. Yeah, but I think it's I think I think it's so fascinating, like breaking all of that that down into and then there was actually another point you said that i really wanted to touch on too because i think this is like a common point that a lot of young men struggle with is is staying friends with an ex or someone that you were like previously focused on being sure. at least romantically involved in sure um it's you rare. know i have my own opinions about it but, uh, yeah. but you said you're still friends like i think it can be very healthy i i i don't think 
I, you know, normally I don't think it should be a thing. I just, I mean, there's plenty of people to be friends with. I don't, you know, I just don't think it's great to be friends with an ex. I just don't. Yeah. But with this person, like, you know, I, I broke it off and she was, you know, we had plans for like new year's. I was going to go to um, her place in Isla Mirada, uh, Florida. And, um, you know, stay there for a few days. And, and she was like, I still want you to come. And I was I'm like, are you sure? You know, I don't think this is gonna be good for you. You know, like, especially like less than a week after. And um, yeah, that was the beginning of our friendship. Nothing ever happened again. And she, she's been dating another guy for a while. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. It just, it just really worked out. But I don't, I don't think that's the norm and no. I've certainly not done that with anyone else. Yeah. It's a, really it's a very tricky it, norm. Yeah. Like, or if, if it was like the idea, like there's a lot of problems with it. For one, I think that it's really hard to move on if that person is still in your life. Like that's yeah. the most difficult part Two, yeah. If you have a new partner, it's really hard to, for that partner to like not believe that kind of something. Like I, right. as much as I want, like, the next boyfriend have enough self-confidence to and trust in her to believe that it's just you also as a partner have to do what's best for your own relationship yeah like there has to be some sacrifice there i'm not going to be someone who's like you know you're supposed to trust me and therefore i don't have to help your mental state at all like i don't like that that aspect so i just think it's so i think it's i think it's a fascinating part of the of the piece of the conversation it is you know you bring up like you know what's good for the new relationship. I mean, I mean, after almost a year and a half, I've still not met the other guy. And I wonder how he feels. I wonder if like Savannah says like, Oh, I'm going out to see Jordan, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I was going to say like, that's why, yeah, I think it's so interesting. And there obviously has to be that, that transparency or honesty there, but even with that, new relationship because i once was best friends with a girl and then her boyfriend like hated me and i yeah, didn't right, really know right, why right. i'm like i'm like there's nothing going on but it's just that that emotional connection or well actually i knew why he hated me but that's neither here nor there <laughs> but it's, it's just a fascinating part of the conversation i think to me for a lot of young guys it's like you have to sometimes lose a friend if that situation does come up. And I think you have to be willing to accept that and hold yourself accountable. And if, you know, if you do really love your friend, then you'll be willing to spend less time or, you know, do what's best for their current relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and then I think, I don't know if we touched too much on the nice guy attitude. Um, I know you mentioned that you, a lot of people thought you're the nicest guy um, when you were in groups, but I, I always think that this idea, I hate people that like, well, no, I don't hate them, but when people like self-declare themselves the nicest guy, and it's like you have to be declared the nice guy. You can't just like say I'm the nicest yeah. guy. And it's and, like subtle like, virtue signaling. Yeah, and in, in excuse me, it's weird. Yeah. And it's like this idea. My one issue with it is that because you're a nice guy, you think people have to have sex with you or they want to have sex with right, you. Right, 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 right. I'm like, I was definitely stuck in that for yeah, yeah. I've I'm I've like, had that too. Like yeah. definitely in high or, uh, late high school, probably early university. I was like, I'm a nice guy. Why doesn't anyone want me? And I realized I'm not really a nice guy. If I'm being truthful, I'm not really a nice guy. I'm more of like a kind guy. Like I, I separate being nice and separate being mm-hmm. kind. I think they're two because I'll tell people to their face what I what I think of them or yeah. You know, I'm, I believe you can't really be honest and nice at the same time. Like radical candor. I feel you. I feel you. It's like kindness, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, it's like, 
And we ta- we touched on it. You know, the the nice guy is is needy. He's mm-hmm. unafraid to make a move. He's not bold enough. He needs to be accepted. He needs to be liked. And so he beats around the bush, hoping that he you know never has to make that move. And she just does it. And you know, he just doesn't want to. He's he's un completely unwilling to risk rejection. Mm-hmm. And that's the nice guy. And yeah. So do you say kind of like fuck the nice guy mentality? Well, look, it's not, no, it's not that, you know, so that's what I was going to say too. It's not that like assholes finish first, nice guys Mm -hmm. finish last. Yeah. It's that honest guys finish first. The guys that are willing to express themselves openly, Mm -hmm. the guys that are willing to make the move, the guys that are willing to swing the bat, those are the ones that finish first. Mm-hmm. And that, like, when when Mark was a dating coach, he actually wrote this book. You know, people know his like big big books mm-hmm. that sold a lot of copies. This one sold a lot of copies, but you know, not near the nation, the the worldwide hit that these other ones were. But his first book was called Models: How to Attract Women Through Honesty. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying here. Yeah, and I I, I honestly think it's it is the key to. Uh, a real relationship is is that communication and honesty. And then even just, you know, one thing that I will tell all my, my listeners is if they're a nice guy to you only, they're not a nice guy. Like, that, <laughs> oh, that is one I've thing, seen that before. Like, yeah. I hate that thing is I and hate as soon, that. Yeah. And, and so as soon as like the girl, re- you know, rejects them, there's just oh, I, a story that, um, this girl I hooked up with in March, she told me this story of this guy that that she was best friends with, the nicest guy in the world, the the, the classic stereotype. Mm-hmm. And you know, they got Chipotle and they were and they were watching some TV together, and he's like sitting there and he's not eating. He, and he's like all nervous. And then all of a sudden he's like, after all this time, you know, being friends and, you know, unwilling to make a move, he blurts out his desires mm-hmm. for her. And it was like awkward because she was under the impression because he waited because he waited too long. She was under the impression that, oh, we're just best friends. He's not like that. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like that. And um, how did we even get on that? I said, if he's only nice to you, he's not. A yeah. Nice oh, oh, and then so after that. He became a dick mm-hmm. to her. Yeah. It was yeah. all an act. It was all, all a needy act. Yeah. And I, I'd say that goes for the same for guys in relationships because I know lots of girls who are like, oh, he's nice to me. He's nice around me. Like, I make him better. I help him. And I'm like, he is a dick to everyone else in his life. He, <laughs> he will become a dick to you. Like, that's just how it will work. But like if they're only nice to you in a relationship and they're not, and you see him be mean and, and unkind to everyone else in his life, he's not a nice guy just because he's nice to you. That's not how mm-hmm. niceness works. You're only nice if you're like nice to everyone or kind to everyone. And like, you can't, you can't fix broke. You like, you just, your job in a relationship is never to fix the other person. It's just to build something together and like help them fix themselves. Like that's what I would say is like Will Smith has a key phrase that he uses with Jada all the time, I think. And it's, he's like, I don't make Jada happy. Like she is happy. I am happy together. We are happy. There's nothing I can possibly do to make yeah, her happy. I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of my pet peeves is like, 
when uh, someone posts a picture and is like, my other half. Yeah. Like, like I, you're, in, yeah. you're incomplete. You're incomplete without the other person. Like, I mean, I get if it's like a 30 year marriage, it, it might be a little bit, it's a little different when it's like a six month relationship and you're calling them your other half. Yeah. Uh, like you're admitting that like, like, no, you're, you're full whole and complete without the other person. You yep. should, or at least you should be. Yep. I, I've said that on one of my podcasts before. I've, I've, I've believed that for like three years. I don't even know where I read it, but I'm like, you in a relationship should be one plus one equals two, not yeah, 0.5 yeah, yeah. plus 0.5 equals one. That's, yeah, like, that's great. Well said. You, you are your own person. They are your own person. Together, well you are better. Uh-huh. Like Agreed. you're walking through life together. You both have your independent beliefs and journeys and, and ideas and passions, mm-hmm. but you bring, you bring them home to, together every night and you build that life together. You're one plus one, not not have two halves of a, of a whole. Yeah. But uh, I think that's a really good way to close it off with that agreement. Um, unless you want to keep going. No, nah, and that was, I, I think we covered yeah. everything. I probably said something, at least one thing that'll uh, get me in trouble 30 years from now. And uh, <laughs> I had fun though. I, that worries me so much specifically yeah, on the topic okay. of masculinity and, and manhood. It's like, there's right. so much out yeah, there. With can, yeah. Change. With cancel culture out there yeah. too. And yeah, so much that could change. And yeah, hopefully we can eradicate cancel culture though. I, I don't like it. Like I, I believe, you know, I'm going through this process because I want to change and I want to adapt my beliefs and kind of get all understandings of it. And to me, that's what life is, is I'm, I'm a huge proponent of, of looking at both sides. And I think you made a post about it as well um, this week about, you know, reading, reading news from other people, especially with what's yes. going on right now. And I'm, I'm the same way. I don't always agree with the other side, but I had this conversation too, is you can't, argue against what one person believes if you don't know what they believe in the first place so how can you make points you know if you're republican against democrats if you don't know what democrats are standing for and vice versa to argue the other the other side's point yeah Yeah. awesome well thank you so much for uh coming on my podcast and this has been an amazing conversation jordan and i now i leave a minute or two to you to promote what you got going on and where people can find you hey it was fun thanks luke Growth Mindset University is, uh, is my podcast. Check it out. That's it. Perfect. Thank you everyone so much for listening to this week's episode of the Imperfect Pod. Thank you so much, Jordan, for coming out and sharing your thoughts about the dating world. It was a really fun conversation, I thought, about what it's like to date as young men. You can find Jordan's podcast, Growth Mindset University, on all streaming platforms. I'll link to Apple and Spotify below. You can also follow him on LinkedIn uh, at Jordan Paris. He writes a lot of good content about podcasting. He has podcasting courses on his on his website as well. I highly recommend that you check them out. I've used them. Been great resources. That's how him and I got connected in the first place. Please remember to like and subscribe this podcast and follow it on Spotify and Apple. Please leave a review if you have the time and chance, especially if you enjoyed this week's episode. Thank you everyone so much for tuning in. Next week's guest is Alan Stein Jr., who is an ex-NBA trainer. He has worked and trained um, young professionals like Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. He's worked with Kobe Bryant. So getting to talk to him about performance and those athletes and how you can attribute those that performance to your day-to-day life is a really good conversation that you'll want to be around for. So stick it out. Thank you everyone so much for listening to this week's episode, and I hope you look forward to next week's.